It's time for The Outspoken Cyclist, your weekly conversation about bicycles, cyclists, trails, travel, advocacy, the bike industry, and much, much more. You can subscribe to our weekly podcast at OutspokenCyclist.com or through your favorite podcatching app to listen anytime. Now here's your host, Diane Jenks. and welcome to The Outspoken Cyclist. I'm your host, Diane Jenks. Thanks for tuning in today. It's been a minute since our last episode, and without a lot of hemming and hawing, suffice it to say that moving a bike shop from one location to another is beyond a pain in the butt. But that's what transpired over the past few weeks, and with some luck, Brian's new digs will be open soon. We'll let you know. I'm looking forward to getting back to a normal schedule and the podcast will be much more consistent once again. A couple of housekeeping things, well, more like one self-promotion thing to mention to you. As most of you know, this is Women's History Month, and I had the honor of being interviewed by Tracy Berry. Tracy is the coordinator of Northwoods Trails in Arkansas, and the podcast is from Natural State Bikes, We chatted for over an hour, and I really appreciated Tracy's thoughtful inquiry. You can hear that episode, as well as the others, highlighting some of the bike world's most interesting female voices on Spotify. There's a link on our website, or you can search for it on Spotify at Natural State Bikes, Women of Biking. So this episode of our podcast features Caroline Whalen the editor-in-chief of Adventure Cyclist magazine. Caroline is a poet, a journalist, a cyclist, and has a super interesting background that led her to the position she occupies today. And Adventure Cyclist magazine, unlike many of the other cycling publications, is not only still standing, but is outstanding as it launches a brand new look for 2023. Then, after our break, we'll meet two young people whose passion for safe roads for young people shows up in some very meaningful ways. Daniela Gomez, who lives and works in Bogota, Colombia, and Dilshad Kolmatov, who is in Tajikistan, both represent the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety, a program that was launched by yours, Youth for Road Safety a global organization that acts to make the world's roads safe for youth. In separate but very impactful ways, both Daniela and Dilshod bring their amazing backgrounds to the table to affect meaningful change in their countries. So as a journalist, I've been watching with both sadness and trepidation as editors, writers, photographers, and the very publications that have supported the sport of cycling in all its forms are being dismantled or closed. Recently, it was Velo News and Cycling Tips, and this week it was Road Bike Action and E-Bike Action. And I think a lot of journalists in the industry are holding their collective breaths to see what shoe drops next. But there are some bright spots in cycling publications, and Adventure Cyclist magazine stands about as close to the top as any. Now, with a total makeover and some clear-headed thinking, Adventure Cyclist magazine has just launched its new look and some new features. And leading the charge is Editor-in-Chief Caroline Whalen. 
Hello, Caroline. Welcome to The Outspoken Cyclist. Thanks for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure. I'm so happy to meet the new, well, not so new right now, Editor-in-Chief of Adventure Cyclist Magazine. Uh, and I'm excited because all the years that I've been both a subscriber and an advertiser, there have been ongoing changes, but now there's something new that you're launching. And so I want to know about that. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about how you ended up as editor-in-chief and where you came from in the past. You have some pretty storied career from what I just read. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not sure what you read, so we'll find out. But uh, I... I have actually a poetry background um, for writing. So I have a bachelor's in poetry and fiction and a master's in MFA in uh, poetry and nonfiction with um, my main focus was travel writing and publishing. I've worked in bike shops from 2001 uh, in New Mexico, New York City, Boston, and Pittsburgh. And then I was a freelance writer for a long time, had some office jobs and hit a certain point where I just could not stand to be working in an office and writing a poem here and there and being stationary. So I had actually had a really fantastic conversation with Jonah uh, Ogles, who is a, a former member. Uh, editor at Outside Magazine, and he was incredibly gracious with his time, and uh, I had pitched him a few ideas, and the pitches weren't on point. He was like, you are clearly a talented writer, but you also clearly haven't been doing this kind of work, uh, working with editors and everything, so I would recommend reading magazines from the angle of a journalist and from an editor and thinking about what a particular magazine might want and what those audiences might want and start pitching editors from that angle and working locally with Pittsburgh magazine, things like that, and kind of building your, build your chops a little bit. And after having that, I was just like, I just have to get out of my routine, out of my house. Uh, bought a travel trailer and just traveled around for eight months or so with my husband at the time and then did the Great Divide mountain bike route, resettled in New Mexico and was working part-time at a spa and working as a freelancer and got some pretty good pitches in at ESPN and uh, Rose and Kingdoms, uh, Sierra Magazine. Uh, and I also worked for online publications. There was one called Pink Pangea, uh, which was a publication for international women travelers and was the North American regional editor for them, uh, as well as a number of literary publications, uh, which I've been doing since I was in college. And then I got the opportunity to work for Dirt Rag, first as their web editor, and moved back to Pittsburgh. And just a few months in there, uh, the editor at the time, Eric McKeegan, said, I think that I've been here long enough. And with the direction that the magazine's going and the strengths that you have, this would be a good time for me to step aside and for you to take over. So within a few months, I was started in May and 
he gave me the offer in July or August. And by October, I was the editor-in-chief at Dirt Rag and worked there until they sadly folded. And then uh, the pandemic hit and I was a freelancer working with talk therapists, helping them redefine what their uh, platforms were, what kind of therapist they wanted to be and who they wanted to best help. And I was very happy doing that, thought that that was going to be my career path as a writer and was working on a memoir. And then Alex Strickland gave me a call and said, this hasn't been announced publicly, but I am going to be stepping down and I don't have any control over the hiring process, but I think that you should apply uh, because uh, you'd be a good contender based on the people in the industry that I know. So I applied and he did not have a hand in the hiring process, but um, luckily the staff at the magazine did. And for some incredibly lucky to me reason, uh, we all liked each other. They liked me most importantly. And uh, I've been there for about two years now. Wow. Has it really been two years? Yeah, just about as April that I started. Wow. Let me reintroduce you. We're speaking with Caroline Whalen. She is the editor-in-chief of Adventure Cyclist Magazine. Probably one of the most, I'm I'm trying to think of what the the right word is, because the magazine's been around a long time. It is still strong. It is still published as a print um, magazine. Now it's going to be bi-monthly. As I remember, it used to be 10 times a year. Nine. Nine. And what's going to be six now? Mm-hmm. which is which is still awesome and and we'll talk about some of the mechanics of the magazine because how magazines work is kind of an interesting publishing um endeavor it, you know people don't I don't know I still like to pick up a book I still order books from the library to read I still read Adventure Cyclist magazine when it comes in every time it does I hate to see what's happening with with uh journalism right now plus you have an interesting way of having writers. Some are staff and you also accept things that are not necessarily from staff. So Mm -hmm. it's just very interesting. And that's, that is what I want to talk about. Well, you really had an interesting um, journey to where you are. So have you moved to Missoula? I did move to Missoula. And when I uh, was in Pittsburgh working for those therapists, I uh, because I moved there for work and then no longer had that work, I was really hoping to get out. And I uh, bought a 2004 Dodge Sprinter from uh, some very friendly guy named Kevin in uh, Ashland, Ohio, uh, which is a state that does not have any um, inspection on it. So uh, it was a about $3,000 Sprinter van and I drove it home. It barely made it. Uh, but it did, which is the most important thing, and worked on it with some really kind, loving friends, including Eric McKeegan, who is the former editor, uh, who helped me build the bed out, uh, do some electrical wiring. So I was planning, if I didn't get the job at Outside, to just come to Montana anyways and live in the van for the summer and then go down to New Mexico for the winter. Uh, When I did the Great Divide mountain bike route, I really fell in love with Montana. So if they didn't, if they weren't going to have me, I was still going to, um, you know, be in their parking lot hanging out. So uh, (laughs) So, it worked out for all of us. Right. That became moot. Right. Exactly. It's funny you say Ashland, Ohio. I have 
really, really good friends who both went to Ashland for their undergraduate work. And I'm, we're not very far from there. We're probably less than two hours. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because we can get to Columbus in two hours. So So let's talk a little bit about all these changes that are coming to Adventure Cyclist Magazine. You talk about a retro-inspired change. What is that? What what are you doing? I mean, content is content, but something is Mm -hmm. happening artistically too. Yes, uh, there's a a lot of things that are different about the magazine and the our art director Ali Mabry asked me some really uh tough questions mainly tough because she's looking at the magazine from a strictly design uh standpoint she's the art director and I'd never really thought about these deep philosophical questions about a magazine before and it was a really helpful process, I think, for the three of us. It's me, Allie, Mabry, the art designer, or our art director, and Dan Meyer, our managing editor. And the three of us really thought about who we were as adventure cyclists, small AC, uh, how we wanted to best represent the magazine and the organization, and who our current audiences and how our audience is going to shift into the future. And uh, so it brought up a whole lot of ideas and visions and that that came through in in every aspect that I didn't expect from uh, the font is a font that Allie had pulled out from old maps and our badge. You can see our our flag right there. The logo is... uh, inspired by uh, head badges on bicycles and national park logos and um, like uh, patches. And there's a lot of map insignia in here. And the great thing about working for the longest, as far as I know, standing nonprofit dedicated to mapping out bicycle routes is that we have a treasure chest of old maps and Allie had gone through to the library to look up for inspiration and everything um, for how we wanted to push forth this vision that we had and then it clicked that we have all of these old iconic maps that are we had designed so there's a lot of like textures that are taken from uh, the Great Great Divide map and uh, little symbols that we had put to help people navigate through uh, their journey of reading the issue itself to help locate people as they're going through and give them uh, kind of landing spots as they go issue to issue that they'll know where they are in the magazine and have places to come back to to ground them. So will you be having ongoing features each public each time it's published? So there will mm-hmm. be standard features are they different from what they are now we have uh currently in the magazine there's a few departments uh there's the the editor's uh letter there's the reader's letters there's uh waypoints there's uh like the marketplace there's companions wanted and there's uh the open road gallery and we have a profile in the back of the magazine as well, which is an unofficial 
department. So all of those are staying. Uh, the profile, uh, we're still in the process of reimagining it and allowing it to be fluid depending on the content and where it wants to be. So in this first issue, it's in the center of the magazine because it is a profile on Carla Majernik, who is our cartographer who's been with us since 1978. And it seemed really appropriate for that to come just before a feature on three new epic routes that are being created by uh, new organizations and group of people who are uh, not taking the torch because we still have a torch, but uh, just like with any flame, you can tap it on something else and ignite it and it doesn't diminish your flame itself. And so uh, other torches have been lit and are taking those in different directions and creating new epic roots. And so before talking about those, I felt important to talk about Carla and all the work that she had done and the work that the org had done. Uh, so those are still there, but we have new columns. Be Here Now, which is a location-based column on uh, certain small towns or places where uh, somebody can have either a day trip or a like three-day short bike vacation. Uh, the idea being if somebody's just looking for a, either a short trip for themselves or maybe they're doing an epic trip, they can start or end there and maybe have some people join them. And so having a location where you have food, entertainment, library, post office, and places to stay uh, from a bicycle traveler's perspective. We have mechanical advantage, which is uh, bike mechanics that can be done from the side of a road or trail side and are both advanced and beginner level because our members are really the whole breadth of uh, cyclists and not every cyclist who is advanced is an advanced mechanic and vice versa. Uh, we have a food column that is all about res uh, recipes that you can make with food that you pick up at either gas stations or local grocery stores. We have a column by a woman named Holly Ernest who uh, had been planning a round the world cycle tour that got canceled during the pandemic and now she's restarting it and it's going to be a serial of that trip and then uh, a counter to that is a column by Tamika Duhaney who I've worked with before who is just starting out getting from doing overnights to doing her own epic tour and this is kind of taking us through the process of training buying the appropriate gear for a longer trip uh, finding community, creating the route that she wants to do and all of that. Uh, we have Good Fit, which is about stretching and uh, keeping your body comfortable and limber on the bike. And I think that might be all of it. There should be uh, six new columns in addition to the others. And then for features, uh, four to five features, depending on the, the length that we have. Let me reintroduce you, and we're going to get a little bit into the mechanics. It sounds like a really interesting and fun way of expanding what's already a great magazine. We're speaking with Caroline Whalen. She is the editor-in-chief of Adventure Cyclist Magazine. We will tell you, if you do not already subscribe, which you should, uh, how you can get a free copy 
because I know you can, still can. I looked that up yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to have little cards in the store that you could send in and they would send you a free copy. Well, you can still do, still do that online at, at adventurecyclist.org. But uh, it's just remarkable. I love all of these ideas. I'm very interested in the good fit part because of my yoga experience, you know, and a fitter. That's I'm a bike fitter. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the changes in the physical magazine itself. Is the size going to remain the same? The the size, uh, you know, the the height and length of the size is going to be the same. So it will still be uh, fit similarly in your bookshelf. Uh, it is significantly thicker, uh, which when you go from our average magazine was 60 pages per issue. Some of them were longer. Some of them were uh, shorter, depending on which issue it was. This is going to be 76 pages. So the longest it's been in a very long time. The longest when I had started in 2021 was 68 pages. Uh, so when you go from 50, 56 and 60 and 68 to 76, it's uh, feels pretty hefty. There's a lot of content. It also is perfect bound, which is uh, the kind of binding that a book has. Uh, previously, it was the folding saddle stitch kind. So now you'll have uh, a nice spine so you could, you know, look at it referentially on your bookshelf. And uh, it just has a little bit more sturdiness to it as well, which is really nice. Yeah, it looks really nice. I love the head badge. I love it. As soon as you held it up, I'm thinking, oh, that looks like a national park. Wait, it's red (laughs) because national park is green. (laughs) Right. The um, head badge was created by an artist in Austin, Texas named Bobby Dixon. So we only had a a very small budget to work with for the redesign. And we used that mainly for details that we wanted to either branch totally out of our thinking uh, and put our energy towards something uh, totally new while we focus on smaller or larger details, uh, or we put it towards uh, fun merchandising that we wanted to make, like some ceramic uh, mugs that we made to kind of commemorate. But uh, that was a a big, of the very small budget we had, that a large chunk of that went to the head badge because we thought it was really important to reintroduce the magazine in a major way like that. And I think it was very well, uh, money well spent. Yeah, branding. And, you know, yeah. as, soon as, as soon as you see it, you will recognize it. So let's talk just for a moment about subscribers and membership, how it works. If you are a member of Adventure Cycling, do you get a subscription to Adventure Cyclist magazine? Yes, uh, that is the most identifiable benefit of becoming a member. You will get a year a year subscription. And we're going to bi-monthly. So in this year, there's uh, we're starting with March, April. So there's five in this year, but it's from calendar year, not uh, or it's it's by non-calendar year. So if you sign up in June, you'll get magazines through June, and you'll get six issues with that. Right. Um, and uh, you also, as a member, get discounts on our maps. You get uh, access to uh, special web content. You are participating in advocacy for the construction of uh, safer routes, uh, the help of families who lose loved ones. Sometimes we've, we work with families who uh, 
have lost a loved one to traffic violence uh, involving cyclists. We do a lot of work with uh, helping reroute parts of either our routes or popular cyclist roads uh, to make sure that there's safe cycling access. And we also are doing the USBRS. If you're ever driving through, I know Ohio has a lot of them. Um, you see the the USBRS, maybe say like a bicycle route 16 or something. Uh, that's a, a project of Adventure Cycling Association. And so member dollars, while that isn't something tangible that you hold in your hand, it is something that members get and get to be a part of. Yeah, we had Jen Hamelman on a couple of weeks ago. Oh, amazing. amazing. Yeah. So we've, yeah, we've done a couple fantastic. of stories on the USBRS system and we have, mm -hmm. I think, five routes through Ohio. Yeah, in fact, yeah, in significant. fact, they just changed one because of the input of cyclists. So, you know, you have a lot of um, interaction with Adventure Cycling Association. Uh, and, and of course, then you get the magazine. Well, I'm really looking forward to my first new issue. When will it be shipped? You should be receiving it next week, oh, I think. Cool. Uh, the printer had, and we work with a, a printer that's in Mountain Zone, and uh, or their their offices are in Mountain Zone, and they're located in uh, the Midwest. And so it's you know a local U.S. company, Quad, and I have a good relationship with them, and they had originally said that it was going to be shipped to our office, uh, leaving the printer on the 3rd, but we received it in the office on the 2nd. So I think that they're expediting it a little bit because they know how excited we are because uh, we tell them every day how excited we are. Right. And uh, so with that expedition, we had expected them to hit mailboxes on the 13th, but it could potentially be sooner for those of you who typically receive it in the middle of the month or the uh, the third week of the month, it could be sooner. But because our members are all over the U.S. and somebody in Ohio isn't going to receive it uh, as quickly, or so sorry, somebody in, in Hawaii isn't going to be receiving it as quickly as somebody in Ohio. Right. But starting starting next week, people should start seeing them show up. Well, that's great. And I can't wait to get my copy. Uh, we've been speaking with Caroline Whalen. She is the editor-in-chief of Adventure Cyclist Magazine. Go to adventurecycling.org and you can get a free copy of the magazine. If you do not subscribe, you will get a subscription to the magazine if you join Adventure Cycling Association, which I think most of my listeners either have done a trip, have used maps, or probably do have a subscription, but if not, I hope you get one. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. It's really wonderful to have met you finally. And uh, I'm looking forward to the new magazine. I hope you have a lot of good luck with it. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're really thrilled. It, you know, there's all those, the details that you dream about, and then you get to put them into practice. And then you have stress dreams about when you worry that you didn't do them right. And uh the the three of us in our small department, as well as everybody in the office since we got them early, have just been uh, so excited for this new uh, evolution. And I'm just thrilled to hear what members have to say, because it, it really feels like a gift that we're, I know it's not a gift they're paying for by becoming members, but 
it, there's, I have so much love and appreciation for our members. And so there was a lot of love and heart that went into creating this. So I, I hope that that's felt by everybody. I think that people will be thrilled and I'm looking forward to the new features, looking forward to the new look. And uh, I hope we get to talk again. Thank you. I, I do as well. Thank you for having me on. It is my pleasure. My thanks to Caroline Whalen for joining me on the show. Log on to adventurecycling.org to learn more. And if you've never had a copy, you can get one on the site. So let's take a break. And when we return, we'll speak with Daniela Gomez and Dilshad Komatov about road safety for young people. It's a great conversation. You're listening to The Outspoken Cyclist. We are back on The Outspoken Cyclist. I'm your host, Diane Jenks. It seems that the problems of road safety are no different in Colombia, Tajikistan, or the U.S. Too many young people are being injured or killed on the roads, and there is an international initiative that is fervently working on the problems. From the ClaimingOurSpace.org website that invites young people to get involved to the Yours Academy, which is offering free modules to get you started on the path to road safety advocacy, Daniela Gomez and Dilshad Komatov are two of the spokespeople who are making a difference in their respective countries. Daniela is a political scientist from the National University of Columbia with a postgraduate course in road safety for Latin America and a diploma in public management. Dilshad Komatov is from Tushanbe, Tajikistan. He graduated from the Tajik Technical University, studied in the fields of civil engineering and architecture, and has been involved with cycling for a very long time. Both Daniela and Dilshad are articulate, passionate, and inspired to do the hard work of getting government, business, and their communities to open up to the importance of road safety for young people. Hello to you both. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. I want to have each of you introduce yourselves to my listeners with a little background and what your involvement is with the organization, the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety. Uh, ladies first, Daniela, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are and what you do. You have an amazing um, resume. <laughs> Thanks, Diane, and thank you so much for having us today. I'm Laura Daniela Gomez. I have two names, but you can call me Daniela. I'm a political scientist uh, based in Bogota, Colombia. Um, I've done some postgraduate studies on both road safety and public management, and I've been riding my bicycle as a mode of transport for the last 10 years here in my, my home city, Bogota. Um, I've also been working on this field of promoting sustainable mobility and road safety for the last six years, um, working both uh, for a local NGO called Despacio and also working with yours, uh, which is the organization that hosts the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety, uh, which I am also a member of. So, yes, this is me. Thank you so much for having me and I'm excited to talk with you both. 
I, I want to mention one thing. We spoke with somebody from Bogota a couple of years ago, and you've been doing some interesting things with your downtown in terms of road safety. And I wanted to, I, I wondered if you were in Bogota. I knew you were in Colombia, but I wasn't sure exactly where. So uh, I know you know this person. I just can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Pardo? Pardo, maybe? Uh, yeah, Carlos Felipe Pardo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Okay, Dilshot, tell us about you. Uh, my name is Dilshot Halmatov. I'm from Tajikistan. I'm from the capital, uh, Dushanbe. And I have graduated from the Tajik Technical University and studied civil engineering and architecture. I was semi-professional uh, road and mountain bike cyclist and has traveled to many places by bicycle. And I'm also co-founder of Critical Mass in Dushanbe, which was established around uh, seven years ago with the two inter international colleagues. And I'm also C CEO at Online Storm, which is called Pamir Cycling Team for the travelers who are going through the Pamir uh, Highway. And I'm a member of Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety. Uh, currently, I work as a project manager in road safety and post-crash response and uh, non-government organization, Young Generation of Tajikistan. You also are interested in chess. Yes. Uh, I'm a candidate to master in chess, uh, and I like drawing. So uh, this kind of hobbies really helps me in <laughs> in my uh, everyday works work. It seems to me like you guys just don't have enough to do. Really, <laughs> you are so busy, both of you. It's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about yours, Y O U R S, uh, and the Global Youth. Coalition for Road Safety. Let's start with you, Daniela. Uh, what do you know about the organization? Um, you live in different parts of the world, and yet you're both doing similar things. So I, I kind of want to get a, a picture of the whole organization, and then we'll break down what the chapters are doing and what you're doing individually. So what exactly is the organization, and how did you become involved? Thank you. Well, the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety is a community of young people from different regions and countries who are passionate about making roads safer. Uh, it is a community that allows us to interact, to learn, to share experiences, and access different uh, opportunities, including resources, capacity development, for us to strengthen our leadership skills every day. The coalition is hosted by JORS, uh, the organization you just mentioned, which means Youth for Road Safety. And it is an international NGO that works highlighting the role of, of young leaders or the youth in the improvement of road safety. So the coalition is one, is like the main program uh, that uh, JORS currently implements. Um, I knew about the coalition uh, back in 2019. Uh, they were looking for young leaders um, to attend the Second World Youth Assembly for Road Safety in uh, Stockholm, in Sweden. Um, and I was selected to represent my country in the assembly, uh, which was a wonderful experience. Uh, we 
got to make it to we we got to be with around I guess 100 uh, young leaders from different sides of the world and um then I became a member of the coalition and since then I've been uh really um making the most of all of the opportunities they provide to each one of us and Dilshaw, tell me a little bit about your work with the organization and how you became involved. Uh, a little bit of history. Uh, I think it's common with the Daniela that uh, it's about the conference on road safety in Stockholm. One of our colleagues, his name is Haidar Shaw. He also won the small grant where everything, I mean, our journey started from there. So he was familiar with the uh, yours and then he told me about this organization. I was really interested about um, the experience and uh, their objectives. And then I also became a member of the Global Youth Coalition. And last year I have submitted also my proposal uh, about uh, claiming space for walking and cycling in Dushanbe. So this is where uh, I have started. Uh, I begin my journey with the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety. So I, I want to back up a little bit and talk about, because we're talking about road safety here in the United States, 44,000 people were killed on the roads, right? So it's just a, an absurd number. And the Secretary of Transportation is introducing a new uh, call to action and putting a ton of money into it. Whether it's going to do any good or not, <laughs> it would be nice to know that it is. Uh, it's very interesting to me that the problem seems to be the same everywhere. There's a there's a youth coalition group in Saigon, for example, that is also looking to protect children. So what are the incidents of road uh, hazard problems for youth? And are we talking little kids through young adults or are we talking, you know, uh, just a specific group of kids? I don't care which one of you decides to address that. Well, the coalition focuses more on, um, on the youth, uh, people aged between 15 to 35 years old, because that's where we think that real advocacy and incidents can be uh, made, you know, because the interest of the coalition is uh, having us talking and, and having these conversations with decision makers. And of course, you know, like grown up people is maybe it's easier for them to do this or have this kind of conversations. And they leave the roads already as a cyclist, motorcyclist, pedestrians. Um, it depends, of course, on, on each country and how the the share modes are there. But basically, it is it is focusing more on the on people like adolescents and in young people. So, Dilshad, what kinds of things are you doing in your country to bring attention to the problem and then begin looking for solutions? Uh on behalf of our country, I can say that we work to encourage uh, the Dushanbe authorities to promote cycling uh, as an official policy and bicycle provide uh, time saving transportation that significantly increases access to 
income, health, uh, education, and uh, we seek to empower communities by strengthening bicycle culture. And with holistic approach, we, we provide the opportunity for all segments uh, of the population to switch to a bicycle. And we also work with young people, children, teenagers to promote active mobility uh, in terms of road safety, green, green mode of transport, advocacy, education, health environment, um, gender rights, especially, and sustainable urban mobility. And uh, we were really close uh, we're working really close with decision makers and a lot of uh, ministries to uh, to show them uh, that uh, use really exists and we have many ideas and we would like to be involved in many uh, events. That's interesting. Yeah, that that actually you have a voice that needs to be heard. I, I understand totally. Let me take a moment to reintroduce you both. We are speaking with Daniela Gomez and Dilshad Homatov. Is that good? Yeah? yeah. From the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety. Daniela is in uh, Colombia and uh, Dilshad is in Tajikistan. And they're really far apart, but they're doing the same thing. And did you have you met each other? Do you uh, know each other? No, not really. Not <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> I've never met. <laughs> you have now. Sano. So um, <laughs> it looks like everywhere we go, we've got the same goal, making roads safer for everybody. So I'm wondering what kind of pushback, I mean, you must work with government. What kind of pushback do you get? Are there are there people who are saying, we don't want more bike lanes, we don't want to protect, I mean, nobody wants to not protect children. That would be just ridiculous. But are you able to actually get some of your um, ideas across to the people who can make those changes and differences? Well, the, the challenge, I mean, there are many challenges. One of them is making decision makers see us as legitimate speakers or counterparts. And I mean us, when I mean us, I say like young people, you know, they are always maybe telling that we are we do not have enough experience or they just underestimate our skills and uh, it is sometimes hard to get their real attention and commitment and then that's why the coalition and and yours have um launched this uh, policymakers toolkit in order to uh allow policymakers to understand or help them understand these different mechanisms on how to really interact and allow participation with young people. But yeah, it is always a challenge. I've I've uh, implemented uh, three uh, projects with uh, seed funding from the from the coalition here in my city. And um, they, they have been focusing more on the promotion of the uh, use of the, the bicycles, a mode of transport. And yes, yeah, sometimes maybe we identify an, I don't know, an intersection or an area that needs intervention. And, and asking for those changes and for their commitment and for investment is really hard. They they always say like, say like, yes, thank you, that yeah, that's important. But it is always hard to, to make them uh, or to have the real commitment. 
uh, but to, to maybe to gain more attention and to gain more commitment, we have worked also with different uh, organizations uh, building, let's say like coalitions or alliances. And it has really helped us to, to maybe have more like a, a stronger voice and, and make our, our, um, our claims be heard. No, I, I totally get what you're saying, but you know, there is that sort of the bigger the numbers, the louder the voice, and perhaps somebody will stop and listen. Dilshad, tell me about the pushback you get where you are. Um, I've been hearing the same story, I think, but have you made some strides where you are that you're able to get some of your um, ideas and uh, projects through government? Uh, the first thing, uh, I assume it's quite difficult to collect decision makers, for example, if you have a, a policy dialogue between the cyclist, pedestrian, um, traffic police, and other ministries who are involved in the project. And uh, uh, and usually how we work, we were just writing the letters to the mayor's office. And then they are addressing the letters supposed to be uh, uh, to, to answer these letters. So, uh, but uh, uh, many times we just showing the real picture of the uh, situation on the road that many children, many youth are injured by cars or dead by cars. And it's always uh, the picture picture looks like the uh, in our city uh, car is the king of the road and this is the struggle and uh, between the cars and pedestrians and alternative models modes of transport in which are neither losers or winners uh, they are always victims and that the one this site has and ultimately this is the loss of the family, society, organizations, and the country. And, and uh, when, you, when you show this real picture to the decision makers, they really would like to be a part of the projects and really would like to help you and uh, to be involved. Uh, and for now, we have a really good uh, uh, connections and uh, with decision makers where we, we, we have and ideas and our voices really uh, heard by them. So I have a question about the the organization itself, and that is, you're all in these different places. You all are doing different projects, but is there a central sort of goal for the coalition to take? like one particular or two or maybe even three particular ideas and disseminate them throughout the different, I guess, countries and and see what comes back. Is there data, part of it is, is there data collection and, and is that what some of the project is doing? Getting data and information and then ideas that they can try in different places. Yes, actually, um, I mean, all the, all our like demands and petitions and statements are 
in this document called the, the uh, Global Youth Statement for Road Safety. It is uh, available on our web website. And there you can find uh, maybe like a, a context, uh, some petitions, which were based on the on consultations, on local consultations that were uh, made right before the, the assembly in 2020. So uh, what we claim is uh, for us to be seen as legitimate counterparts, as um, as voices that should be heard and should be in these decision-making spaces. But also we, of course, claim for safer roads, uh, for uh, lower speeds in our roads, um, for safer cars, you know, like having these uh, vehicles with all the te technologies um, that avoid um, uh, injuries in the in the occupants and in the people outside or the road users outside vehicles. We claim for laws uh, and we claim also for uh, uh, that they should stop blaming us and start engaging us, uh, as, I, as I said before, as counterparts in the decision making, making spaces. Um, regarding um, maybe like the activities or strategies that we implement, there's different, uh, for example, we have uh, on the capacity development side, we have live trainings or live sessions uh, where we, um, disseminate knowledge and key like strategies or tools for young leaders to advocate, for young leaders to, for example, write their proposals for the local actions proposals, which is the is this call uh, that the coalition uh, makes every year to um, award some uh, seed funding. Uh, we also, uh, for example, have different leadership structures uh, so, for example, regional leaders, SDG champions, uh, where we make sure that uh, in different regions of the world, um, there are uh, different uh, young leaders advocating for uh, these uh, key messages I, I've just said before. Um, and of course, the local actions itself, this program of seed funding and projects, implementation of projects, um, it is always a, an opportunity for young people in the coalition to uh, have the their their ideas become a reality. So uh, they, they we get the seed funding and we uh, can implement a a short term project, um, which of course needs to have an advocacy component. Needs to have um, what I said before, maybe uh, the the possibility to set alliances and coalitions with other organizations and basically to make sure that uh, we are seen as um, well as, as part of the solution in this uh, road safety problem. Wow, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Dilsha, tell me what some of your long-term goals are, let's say over the next 24 months for the work that you're doing for safer roads in your country or in your city. Um. Yeah, I think the, the goals are the same because we have the same problems, I think, in many countries. And we we foster conditions for developing city-level uh, policy by promoting active travel and zero-carbon transport options. 
and at the same time we engaging use uh, to advocate and raising public uh, awareness on the benefits of, of shifting to alternative modes of transport and sustainable modes of transport as well and uh, we we focus on decision makers as a city level uh, supporting of developing a sustainable active travel policy for Dushanbe and uh, building appropriate infrastructure for the cyclists and other modes of transport. This is our goals. And at the same time, uh, one of the goals is uh, behavior, uh, good behavior of cyclists, pedestrians and drivers, because uh, it's uh, it's it's the same problem I think in everywhere where, where the uh, this kind of people violate the traffic rules and uh, we trying to open more and more uh, cycling fields so it's uh, it's 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 the fields where we have uh, uh, the children uh, who are supposed to to learn how to ride the bicycle properly in terms of road safety. So this is our goals. And um, yeah, that's all I think. Well, I, I guess the last thing we want to talk about is how other people, so you are, uh, you still want to attract more young people to the organization, I would imagine. How would somebody who is listening to this show find out more um, and and what kinds of things could they participate in if they were just beginning to get involved? Well, uh, the easiest way, of course, is visiting uh, our the website. It, it is um, claimingourspace.org. Uh, in the website, they can access uh, many resources. They can see uh, what we are doing. Uh, they can become members too. Um, so that would be maybe the best and easiest way for, for people to get information about the coalition. Uh, and of course, becoming uh, members, it only involves like um, filling in a short questionnaire and and that would be basically it. They, after they become members, they start um, receiving the newsletter, uh, receiving the uh, news about uh, next uh, next opportunities that uh, the coalition is launching. Um, there's another resource I didn't mention before, but it is also available, and it is the George Academy, which is um, an online e-learning road safety school where people can learn about the global road safety crisis facing youth. And um, the 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 academy has already two modules uh, where people can. I mean, people can access freely, absolutely. It is for free to to take these uh, these modules or courses. Um, we have launched the first one is called the Global Road Safety Problem and Youth. That's the first module, and it um, shows, for example, the evidence uh, why why road safety is a problem, and maybe some faces behind the figures, some testimonials from people. Uh, and why youth are uh, being like the, uh, really impacted by this uh, global issue. And the second module is called uh, the safe system approach and the risk factors. And it of course explains what the system approach is, why it is important to 
understand road safety based on this uh, safe system approach and uh, also understanding uh, what are the risk factors uh, and why are they risk factor factors. Um, and in the following weeks, actually in early March, uh, there will be another module of the coalition uh, being launched. It is it is going to be about um, road safety and the broader development agenda. So it'll make the connection of road safety uh, with, our, with the SDGs and how safer roads can help improve uh, public health, uh, gender equality, sustainable cities and communities, climate action. So it is going to be a, a really, really interesting um, resource, which is available online for everyone. So it's very interesting to me that what we're talking about is being talked about everywhere, like a bigger voice is finally being heard. And I like that it's coming from your generation. You know, there's been so many confusing things that have been going on with automobiles, you know, even electric vehicles that don't matter if you can't be safe on the roads. We've been speaking with Daniela Gomez and Dilshad Komatov. They are in Colombia and Tajikistan, respectively. Uh, just a wonderful conversation. They are with the Global Youth Coalition for Road Safety. And if you or one of your kids or your grandkids are interested, you want to go to claimingourspace.org because it's our space, meaning your space, young people. And I really like that you are addressing this population because getting them involved early might keep them involved forever. And that would be a good thing. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you again. And good luck with all of the work you're doing. It's very impressive. I appreciate you talking with me today. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Diane. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. My thanks to Daniela and Dilshad. It is inspiring to hear about the work they're doing and the results they're getting to help improve road safety in their countries. For more information about the organization, the programs that are being offered, and how to get involved, you can log on to claimingourspace.org. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please remember that every episode can be found for download at OutspokenCyclist.com, along with show notes, links, and photos. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Next time, we'll be talking about the exciting things happening on the East Coast Greenway, and we'll have an in-depth conversation with journalist Joe Lindsay about autonomous vehicles. I hope you have a great day. Please stay safe, stay well, and remember, there is always time for a ride. Bye-bye. Joining us today on The Outspoken Cyclist with Diane Jenks. We welcome your thoughts and contributions on our Facebook page, or visit OutspokenCyclist.com to leave a comment on any episode. We will be back next week with new guests, topics, conversations, and news in the world of cycling. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. 
The Outspoken Cyclist is a copyrighted production of BBL Promotions with the assistance of WJCU-FM Cleveland, a service of John Carroll University. Thanks again for listening, ride safely, and we'll see you next week.